Lord Jesus, we're in desperate need of you. God, more than just the opener and recreation and the fun things that we get to do here at camp, God, I pray that you would get a hold of hearts of stone this week and turn them into hearts of flesh, Lord. Would you speak to the minds of these students? And God, if for anybody who is questioning or is wondering what this is all about, Lord, I pray that you would make it very clear to them this week through Johnny's messages, through the videos, through worship. Whatever medium you choose, Lord, I pray that students' hearts would be softened. And God, I pray that we would never come into this place um, in a casual manner, but we would recognize as we come to worship and read your word that this is a sacred, holy thing that we get to do. So God, even now, Lord, I pray that we are attentive. God, I pray for the students that are tempted to kind of lean away. God, would they lean in? God, would you encourage us to live more like you after this week? We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Daniel, the main question that we're going to be asking you guys this week is how can you live resiliently for the Lord in a culture that is increasingly hostile toward Christianity? How can you live resiliently for the Lord in a culture that is increasingly hostile toward Christianity? That word resilient is important. We are to be resilient. And so in kind of coming up with this theme, we read this recent article produced by this this uh, company called Barna Research, Barna Research Group. And so they have this article that's basically talking about our generation, Gen Z, and how 65 to 75% of them, by the time they reach college, they stop attending church. And shortly thereafter, they stop having biblical convictions, and then many of them end up denouncing their faith, whether or not. It's because they went to a specific college, a professor caused them to doubt, or they had hard questions being asked of them by friends or different pressures, or maybe they just never really understood what the Bible said, and so they kind of didn't know what they believed, and then by the time they got to college, they realized they didn't believe. And so we're living in this culture where many of us, young people, high school students, it is crucial that you understand what it means to live with resilience in today's world. The average American teenager spends about seven hours a day on their phone. That's crazy. Seven hours a day, scrolling. And I know and I understand that much of that is not necessarily social media. Maybe some of that's for our work or school. But the truth is, is that we recognize how busy our lives are and we're tacking on seven hours a day we got to start asking ourselves the question, are we surrounding ourselves and are we surrounded by a digital Babylon? And that was the conclusion of this article, that you, young people, high school students, are living in a digital Babylon. And many of us probably don't really understand what that means, Babylon. We'll talk more about what Babylon is in the book of Daniel as we open it and as we read it and we dive into the context, the truth is, is that we are surrounded by a digital Babylon. We can have anything that we want, the swipe of a finger, and we have more information, 
more temptation than we ever did in the history of humanity now in our pockets. And so last year, I remember having a lot of conversations, conversations with students. We talked about truth last year. We went through the book of John, the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How many of you guys were here for Truth Be Told? Awesome. We talked about this idea that truth is objective and, and we live in a world where people choose to believe certain things about the truth. Well, this is my truth, that's your truth, and I don't really agree with your truth. And we talked about the fact that Jesus Christ himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we claim objective truth. We believe that there is a truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. And many of you, I remember having conversations last year with many of you understand that. You understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you understand that he's the only truth. But I remember having these conversations, and you guys saying, but it feels impossible to actually live it out. In today's age, it feels impossible to live for the Lord. It feels like there are so, there's an ocean of temptation around me, and I actually don't know how to live for the Lord. I don't know how to break these cycles of temptation and sin. I don't know how to say no to friends. I don't know how to do these things. I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to, how, how to not go to that party, not pick that up, not do these things with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't know how to do these things. I keep falling into the same traps over and over and over again. And maybe you're used to coming up to camp over and over and over again, and you experience the presence of God, or you experience this, maybe this feeling that you get while you're up here, and then you go back down the hill and you recognize that there is so much you could do, and there's so many different things that you could partake in, and then you're back where you started, where you started, and so our prayer and our hope is that you guys would learn to live resilient, with resilience as a believer in this hostile world. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. This is an amazing picture of resilience. We'll talk about this in a couple nights, but this is just incredible. And I know that that many of you understand and probably have read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but this this is just awesome for us to be reminded of. And if you don't know this story, we'll talk a little bit more about it this week. Verse 14. Is it true... O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. This is Nebuchadnezzar. This is somebody who is asking them to bow down to a golden idol. Now if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, I love this, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
Resilience. Resilience. In the face of hostility, in the face of temptation, I can't think of a greater temptation than staring death in the face as a teenager, as a young person. Actually, they might have been a little bit older at this point, but as somebody who believed in Yahweh, faced with death, and all they had to do was bow. And they probably could have come up with different arguments as, well, as to why. Well, this isn't really that big of a deal, right, to bow. Like, God knows my heart. When God knows where my heart's at, where my mind's at, it's okay if I do this one thing and live. What's their response? Be it known to you, O king, that we will not bow down to your idol. What are the idols in your life? Many of you recognize that you'll probably never be put in a situation where you'll be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace for what you believe. But what are some things that you know in your own life you are constantly bowing to? And I know that's kind of a funny little analogy, and I know maybe that's not what it's communicating, but we all have idols in our lives. We all elevate things to places where they should not be. And so the resilient believer recognizes this and is actively opposed to it and is actively trying to get rid of these things in their lives. And so we're going to look at four main characteristics of a resilient believer tonight. Four main characteristics. The first one is this. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. And this is something that we want you guys to have through the rest of the week as you learn and study God's word, as we dive into scripture, that God would communicate to you these are things that we want you guys to grow in. The first thing, the resilient believers fear God and not man. If you guys have your notes, go ahead, take notes. The resilient believer fears God and not man. Proverbs 9, 10, you don't have to turn there, but this is what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Daniel had wisdom. We're gonna see that. He had wisdom to handle certain situations that he was placed in. And what does it mean to really fear God? Well, oftentimes you don't really understand what that means, and we, we try and and kind of push that away. And sometimes we read the Bible and we, we struggle with certain concepts like the fear of the Lord, but what does it actually mean to fear God? One of my, 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 most, my favorite passages talking about the fear of the Lord is Isaiah 6. You don't have to turn there, but Isaiah 6. It talks about this prophet. His name is Isaiah. And prophets, if you don't know what a prophet is in the Old Testament, is basically somebody who heard from God and declared what he heard to the people of Israel. And so the people of Israel would listen to what these prophets had to say. And Isaiah had a lot to say. It's a big book in the Bible. But he had this to say in chapter 6. He sees this vision. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And around him were seraphim singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he probably didn't even really understand what he was saying. He was probably doing his best to communicate what he was seeing, that the Lord was high and lifted up. And what does he do? 
every single time someone is confronted with the presence of God, he falls to his face and he says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. That's his response to God. This is the God that we say that we believe if we're Christians. And many of us, many of us are tempted by all these different comforts and we're pulled away and we're tempted to look away at certain aspects of God and certain things that the Bible has to say. And what ends up happening is we lack the fear of the Lord. We lack actually recognizing that this God who created us is high and lifted up. He is exalted. He is holy. He is completely other than. He's different than us. And if we have a correct understanding of that, if we fear him, we recognize him, we have this awe and this reverence for him, then we would live like it. Fear of the Lord is always followed by action. It's always followed by somebody who says, you know what, God takes this seriously, so I do. And that's what Daniel did constantly. Second thing, resilient believers have biblical convictions. Biblical convictions. I think this one's funny because I think we have so many convictions and opinions about so many different things. And oftentimes, they are the things that aren't the most important. Like, I have a deep conviction that the Los Angeles Dodgers are way better than the Giants. <laughs> a conviction, is, seriously, a conviction is a firmly held belief. That's what the dictionary describes it as, a firmly held belief. And we have all these opinions about sports teams and NFL teams and whether or not Marvel is better than DC, which it absolutely is, 100% of the time, at all times, whether or not Christopher Nolan is the greatest director on planet Earth, we have these deep opinions and convictions. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. There's, and we have these things that we stand by and probably are willing to fight to the death for. Someone says, yes. But when it comes to the things that literally matter the most, when it comes to the things that matter most, we don't really know what we believe. We're filled with opinions. In fact, the world is just constantly throwing opinions your way. And you might have a thousand of them. What separates that from a biblical conviction is that a conviction, a biblical conviction is grounded in truth. I studied philosophy at UCLA um, and I graduated from UCLA and my time there, I know some of you guys are like, philosophy? I did not get a job right out of college, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but... <laughs> While I was there, it was funny because I think a lot of people, and I didn't really have that many conversations, I wish I had more conversations with non-believers, but I think that many of the people that I was surrounded by would say 
that they didn't believe in this and that they didn't believe in that. So they had a lot of opinions and beliefs about what they didn't believe. I, I don't believe in Christianity. I don't believe in this. I, I, I don't believe that. But then when they were asked, well, what do you believe? They didn't really know. And maybe they did believe in certain things, like this is wrong or, I don't know, different things. But they didn't really actually understand what they believed. What did they believe? And so why is it so important in this world to have conviction? That word conviction means to be convinced. A firmly held belief. Paul says, I am convinced, I am convinced. Conviction. Why is it important for us to have conviction? It's because the world doesn't know what it believes. And I know this, sometimes we, we can come to this place where it's like Christians believe this and the world believes this, right? And it comes down to a matter of beliefs. But the, the truth is, is that the world believes a certain thing and Christians believe in the Bible, the word of God. It's not our opinion. My opinions don't really matter. I'm not sharing with you another opinion, and, and Johnny's not gonna share with you just his opinions about the world. He's gonna share with you objective truth. And so many times the people don't have problems with what Christians say they believe. They have problems with the Bible, with scripture, with truth and they don't really know what they believe as a result. They might say they do, but then when you ask them, they're not totally sure, and are you, maybe you're in that boat. Maybe you've come into this place, and you're questioning things, and you, but at the end of the day, you don't really know. And maybe you've called yourself a Christian your entire life, and you've spent time in God's word, and maybe you've come to church your entire life, but you don't really know what you believe. My prayer and hope is that you would come to know what you believe and that you would believe in God's word wholeheartedly. You would recognize, you believe in the God of the Bible. Resilient believers, this is the third thing, resilient believers trust the living God. They trust the living God. Trust. It's not just belief. You trust him. Proverbs 28, 26 says this, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Who have you put your trust in? Where is your trust placed? You guys might say, or you guys might be experiencing some troubles at home. Maybe your parents are separated. Maybe you're experiencing struggles with your families, financially, whatever that might be. Or maybe you're experiencing a lot of issues with your friends or you're struggling in school or you're, you're constantly anxious or you're sad and you're tempted to place your trust in other things, in your family, in your friends, in social media, in your own image, place your trust in other people's opinions. It's such a dangerous game that we as humans play. But what is the believer asked to do? What are we supposed to do? What does Daniel do? What does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? 
They place their trust in God. In the ancient of days, the book of Daniel in chapter seven, Daniel has this vision and he calls God the ancient of days, which means he has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same, the ancient of days. And so maybe you're like, Mikey, you don't understand what's going on at home right now. What I'm going through, what my parents are going through, what my family's going through. Our God is the ancient of days. You don't understand what's going on in my friend group, what, 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 what they're pressuring me to do and, and the things that I've done. Our God is the ancient of days. He never changes. He never fails. He's constant. He's Lord. He reigns over it all. And maybe you're tempted to look at the world right now and as it is and what's happening politically or that's happening in your schools and you're tempted to distrust God. But that is the opposite of what we're supposed to do as believers. What did Daniel do? He put his trust in the ancient of days, in God, in Yahweh. And he said, you are high and lifted up. You are above it all. So it doesn't matter what happens in my life. It doesn't matter what trials presented before me. God, you are the ancient of days. Last thing is this. Resilient believers are not alone. You might think that you can do this by yourself. You can muster up enough energy and strength. And many of you maybe have tried and, and you've seen the Christian walk as this, this set of rules or maybe this, this, this effort to try and earn your salvation, to try and earn your way to God. And we're gonna talk about that more and what Jesus Christ has done for us. Maybe you've tried to do it by yourself and you've trusted yourself and you thought that you could do this alone. But it says right there in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there are three of them. Three of them. They were with Daniel the whole time. And I always wonder what happens if one of them didn't bow or one of them did bow. What would that do for the rest of them? There was three of them. Do you have friends like that? Do you have people surrounding you that are encouraging you, pushing you to follow the Lord more or are you constantly being pulled away from him because of your friends? It's so easy. The most influential people in your life are your friends, more than your parents, more than your youth pastors, more than your counselors. Your friends are the most influential people in your life. And so I think it's a pretty big deal to have good friends, to have friends that trust God, that know him. And if you're not a believer and you're hearing this and you feel maybe like, well, I feel like I'm a little bit ousted right now, my hope and prayer is that you would recognize the reason that we do this is because we love you and we want you to come to know God. We want you to know him this week. And so I'll close with this. Please don't let this week go by, fly by, without actually being vulnerable, without actually questioning and asking the questions because there is nothing more important that we could be talking about than what we're talking about in this chapel this week. 
You'll get the chance to hear from our worship team. It's going to be awesome. The videos. Again, Johnny is going to preach from God's word. And I hope and pray, my hope and prayer is that you pay attention, that you'd lean in, and that if you're tempted to, to oppose or to be offended or to lean away, that you wouldn't do that. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, and then we'll kind of get on with the rest of tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we're just thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for the words found in Daniel. God, of the actions of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of of the resolve that Daniel has. And God, I just pray that we would recognize these characteristics of resilient believers in a world that is increasingly hostile towards you. And that we recognize what that truly means to live for you in this culture. And so, God, I just pray for the things and the burdens that many of these students might have that are carrying in that they're carrying into into this place. God, that as your word is opened, they would recognize the words of your son. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And God, I just pray for the counselors and youth pastors. God, as they're ushering conversations, as they're they're having these conversations with students, God, would you give them insight from your word and would you help them communicate truth? And Lord, I just pray for Johnny as he comes and he communicates the rest of this week from your word. God, we're just so thankful that we get to do this, that we we get to, to come up to Hume Lake, surrounded by your creation, where we get to have fun and recreation and do all these amazing things. And then at the end of the day, we get to open up your word and learn and grow. We love you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name.